give you a quick update on uh, on what's been happening in uh, in our ministry. Uh, just uh, just this past weekend, um, uh, I was over in Jamestown. Uh, interesting scenario with uh, with this church. They just started up their their, their student ministry last uh, uh, last fall. Uh, had a youth pastor, good sized church, real good sized youth group, and uh, their uh, their youth pastor just this past uh, just actually a few weeks ago left, and he is now in a new ministry. And so this uh, this youth ministry is just not quite sure what you know who's going to lead this now. What what's going to happen? And they're they're in the process of looking for a, a a new youth pastor. But in the meantime, fall is here, and we need to get our student ministry going. And so they had a a young couple step up and said, "All right, we will we will lead this." And um, we're not quite sure what we're getting into. And, and they're just they're just looking for help. So we had a retreat with uh, with that leadership team. And with some of the students also uh, over in Jamestown, right on Lake Chautauqua, actually a, a beautiful, uh, beautiful place. I don't know if it's a, it's a, a home uh, by a Christian couple. The place is actually called River Rock. It is the largest home on Lake, Lake Chautauqua. It is enormous. But the basement of this uh, home is even a little bit bigger than just this, this auditorium. And they, they, uh, they give it to people for free for like youth events, youth retreats, anything like that. You just simply sign up and you use the place for free. It's immaculate. So we just had a, a fantastic time with that leadership team, just encouraging them. And uh, they look like they're really on target. They're ready to go this fall. They've got the right perspective and just, uh, just had a great time with them, uh, with them yesterday, Friday and Saturday. And then uh, after that, I shot up to Mayville and spent some time with, uh, with another uh, ministry team. And uh, just had a marvelous time with them. They're getting ready to do a, uh, an outreach. They, they've not done any specific teen outreach with their, their youth ministry. And uh, so we've got them set up uh, for that coming, uh, coming in October. Uh, they've got a group of students coming down from, uh, from Word of Life, the Bible Institute, that are going to participate in it too. So they're going to bring plenty of excitement. Uh, Corinne was busy this weekend while I was off. Uh, uh, what's the word? Gallivanting. That was the word, Ben. <laughs> How do you do that, man? It's a gift. Ben is like one of the only guys that would think of the word gallivanting. Besides me, I guess. That's the scariest thing that's happened to me today. And uh, Corinne was doing some discipleship with a young uh, lady leader up in uh, Watkins Glen. She brought our critters up there both Friday night and Saturday. And she, she dropped them off at uh, their uncle's. And uh, they had a good time and got no sleep. And uh, Corinne had a good time doing some discipleship that way. Uh, the, uh, the week before, we had our Flashpoint conference, and uh, things went very, very well for that. We had two new churches that had never been there before, uh, a number of new leaders, and uh, just had an excellent time with those folks, and uh, just giving them some training, you know, getting them started off on the right foot, inspired, ready to go, you know, ready to hit the ground running, and uh, uh, we just had a good time with that. Right after that conference, I darted up to Maine. Uh, we've got, uh, we've got a, a new uh, missionary. I say he's new. He's been there for a couple of years. Uh, Eric and Lori Brown is a new missionary in Maine. And uh, uh, Eric had a, a very, uh, a very well-paying job. Uh, he felt the Lord calling him into ministry, and uh, he, he pursued what the Lord was calling him to, working with Word of Life Local Church Ministries. And uh, they recently moved uh, into a different house because uh, the house they... Uh, had before was not gonna, uh, was not something they could they could afford anymore. So it was something where they they were making some really good sacrifices. In fact, they 
lady she the the, the lady had designed the house their, themselves made it exactly like they wanted and uh, so they they really had to downsize and so they found a different house that needs a little work so uh myself and uh, uh and actually rod whitney we went up there uh to help them uh, do some work uh on the house i i got a couple of pictures here i wanted to show you they uh, all they had was this uh this old uh, uh claw foot tub pretty much upstairs they've got three uh, three teenagers actually to uh try to get ready in the morning and i'm sure that thing is a treasure to you guys okay but it just it just didn't work for them okay you know it didn't have a shower to it at all. It was just the tub. So uh, we tore that thing out of there, and we, we built them a, a custom uh, a custom shower uh, with uh, with tile. It was uh, it's a very very old home, so you're never quite sure uh, what or who you're going to find in the walls. And uh, but uh, we we had a we had a good time doing it. That's Rod there, and uh, uh, we it took us about uh, uh, it took us about three days, but we we went ahead and uh, finished. Uh, you got to take a break every once in a while, okay? And uh, we we finished everything. And uh, when you're cutting tile, that that can you guys know what it's like to run a wet saw? Okay, it's just a little bit messy. Okay, it's it's a little hard to stay clean. And uh, but uh, we uh, we had a we had a good time doing it. And uh, just uh, Rod and I, we just love working together. You know, whether it's ministry or just doing construction for a good friend. We, uh, we, we had a great time uh, just ministering to, uh, to those folks. And so we have been running for the past couple of weeks. And uh, uh, I, uh, I studied and prepared for this message about two and a half weeks ago. And uh, otherwise, there just wasn't going to be time to, uh, to make that all happen. And uh, I'm looking forward to, to being here with you. Uh, I want to share with you one more thing real quick. Uh, a number of you are familiar with the Word of Life Quiet Time Diary. Uh, here is something they have just recently uh, just recently done is they have put that quiet time diary online and now it is available for an online uh, quiet time. Uh, it and it has just been, for me personally, it has just been fantastic. Uh, in fact, a number of people you already know are, are using it. Uh, you know, Ryan Baker, Ben Clifford, a few other of them are using it. And it's actually set up in a way Brandy is, uh, is, is using it also. Steven, although I haven't seen a whole lot of quiet time activity yet. We'll get you going on that. And uh, he... Uh, uh, they've set it up in a little bit of a social kind of a, a media site where you can befriend people, you can share your quiet time with people, you can make it completely private so that nobody sees it. It's very, very easy to share prayer requests with people for them to see it, for them to pick prayer requests and, and actually communicate to them when you pray for those particular requests. It's very, very simple. Uh, but it's just been a great, great tool that I, I personally have really, really enjoyed. Uh, what Word of Life has done is they've put together a number of uh, a trial uh, cards for 30 days. If you are interested in trying that online quiet time, just seeing what it's like, you know, with, with no payment at all. Uh, I've got a number of these. In fact, I've got hundreds of them that we've been, uh, we've been passing out. Uh, it's, only, uh, it's only been online for, uh, for just a few months now. Uh, there's already 4,000 uh, users around the nation, around the world that, that are uh, already plugged into it. Uh, I just wanted to let you know I have a few of these. If it's something you want to give a shot, you're welcome to. It's for, it's for free, and you can uh, uh, use that if you want to. Um, uh, I want to dive into the Word uh, this morning, and uh, I want you to turn to Psalm, uh, Psalm 127. And uh, uh, this was something that was actually just in my quiet time uh, not too long ago, and uh, it was just it was just a it was just a fantastic morning thinking through 
this particular psalm and myself. And the Lord just kind of continued to develop it all day long and the next day and the next day and the next day and uh, used it to minister in my heart. And Corinne and I were talking through it uh, also and just, just, just thinking through it and the, and the blessing of it. Uh, but I want to go ahead and read Psalm, uh, Psalm 127. It's a short psalm. You're just talking about a couple of verses, but it is loaded, loaded with a very simple message for you and me that actually can have an incredibly profound impact in your and I's lives if we can grasp a hold of it this morning. So let's, uh, let's go ahead and read Psalm 127. Many of you are familiar with it, but here's what it says. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he gives his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the, horror, uh, from the Lord. The fruit of the womb is a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior, so are the children of one's youth. Happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. They shall not be ashamed, but shall speak with their enemies uh, in the gate. Uh, psalm 127 is a psalm that was written by Solomon. Uh, most psalms you think of, uh, of David or a few other different people or Asaph. Solomon actually wrote this psalm. Um, some folks uh, would focus on the concept that Solomon was the one that built the temple. And so as he starts off talking about unless the Lord builds the house, it's very easy to try to make a transition and run right into that, that that's what Solomon must be talking about. But quite honestly, I don't think that that is the case. Um, I don't think there's anything in the text that's definitive that Solomon is talking about the temple. Uh, most likely, he's just simply talking about a personal home. He's talking about a family. He's talking about, uh, he's talking about something that just about everybody could identify with. Having a home, unless the Lord builds the house, uh, it's labor's labor in vain. And, and there's a couple of other, there's actually two different illustrations that Solomon uses here. The concept of a, of a watchman and a builder. But I think it's very much a family-oriented psalm. Um, again, it's something that people could identify with. And uh, I just want to take a look at this psalm. We're going to spend most of our time in verses 1 and 2. We're going to jump over to two other texts uh, throughout the day. And uh, we're going to end back in Galatians. So for those of you that thought you were going to be someplace else in Galatians, sorry, we're going back to Galatians for just a little bit, okay? Can you, can you handle that? Yeah, you're okay with that? Okay, good. All right, let's look at, uh, let's look at verse 1. And let's look at the participants that are involved in this. Verse 1 says, Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain who build it. And unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. I, I think there's basically two... Two people, two kind of participants in this passage. The uh, first is the Lord. Uh, in fact, uh, something that uh, the Lord really impressed upon my heart in this particular psalm was the very first three words of the whole psalm. Unless, unless the Lord. Um, unless is actually, a, it's, a, it's a very negative term in Hebrew. It's a very conditional kind of a term. Some of you guys might have the King James Version this morning and it uses the word except. When you look in the Hebrew, actually, just for the sake of to an English translation, that word except is probably a little bit better word. Uh, in essence, 
they're saying there is a, there is one exception or except the Lord. Um, after you look at those first three words, what, whatever is going to follow, unless the Lord, it's going to depend on the Lord. So there's one exception to whatever we're going to be looking at today, and it is this. Whatever it is, it, it's God's business. <laughs> it's God's, God is the uh, one and only exception to the, the, the real meaning of, of this text. Uh, and secondly, the other participant is, is basically a laborer or a watchman. Uh, I just think that that's a person. Uh, it's us. So the two people involved in this psalm would be God and, and you. And as we consider this, uh, here's what really caught my attention as I just started meditating through it. Do you find it interesting that the very, the very thing that the person is doing, the building or the watching or the laboring or what goes on in it, is actually the very thing that Solomon is saying that, that God must be doing? And so, uh, how does that work? Is it the person doing it? Is it, is it God doing it? How, how can the person do all the physical work and the labor and it still be God who does it? Well, very simply put, I think it's this. I think God uses people. Uh, in fact, I think God wants to use people to accomplish His work. I think that's part of the whole point of this. And as we look at the context of this passage and thinking about a home and thinking about a family, I don't think it's necessarily just talking about the physical building of a home with bricks and uh, doing the roof. I think he's talking about building a family. For, for us as parents, uh, unless the Lord builds this home, the labors are going to, to labor in vain. Um, and quite honestly to me, uh, it, it, it sounds a little bit reckless to me that God wants to use people. I, I would think, I would think the result, if it was just simply God doing it with no human involvement whatsoever, the results would probably be a whole lot better. Uh, but that's not what He's chosen. That's not what He's decided. In fact, uh, there's two things. I just number one, it amazes me that He wants to use people to be involved in what He's doing here in this world. But also. Uh, it's a little bit scary in some ways too. <laughs> the fact that he wants to use you for supernatural work, for his bidding, for his, his design for what is going to happen here in, in life. Um, and when I think, uh, just consider this, you know, in, in God's sovereignty and his ability to control everything and handle everything just so that it comes out his way, he has, he has decided to put in a human element of involvement in that. And it, it almost sounds contradictory, doesn't it? I would think a, a, a greater sovereignty is, again, there's no human element. It is just God who, who does it all, and it's all God's bidding, and it's all God's doing. But he's chosen to use us. <laughs> he's chosen to use, to use people. In fact, here's the conclusion that I came to. I started thinking, you know what? It is actually a more amazing and greater sovereignty that he would actually include us and still be in complete control of everything that takes place and everything that happens. Uh, and when, when, when I think about this particular thing, there's, there's just a couple of things that, that come to mind that caught my attention. This is not an exhaustive list when you're talking about, about God doing the building and, and we being his tools or his instrument for that. Um, 
There's a big difference between a, a, a home or, or a ministry or a business or your, your job that is built by a person and one that is built by God. Uh, although they might look pretty similar from the outside, <laughs> there's still work that's going on. People seem to still be busy, but there's a big difference between the two. And, and here's, just a, here's just a couple of things. Uh, number one, man building is where man tries to get the credit instead of God. <laughs> or, uh, I, I guess I would also even say it like this, or he tries to include himself in the credit <laughs> instead of it all being just simply God. Um, you, you, you might have heard this before. There's an illustration about a, an, an elephant that's walking through the jungle and he's, trying to get, he's just trying to get where he's going and he comes to this huge canyon and, of course, there's no way for him to get across. And a little ways over, he sees this, this, this old rope bridge, uh, a dangling rope bridge that's barely, that's barely, uh, barely even together. And he, he walks over to it. And just before he steps on, a little flea comes up to him and says, Hey, buddy, can I hitch a ride? This didn't really happen, just so you know. Okay? Um, and a flea jumps on. They go across the bridge. The thing is swinging and swaying back and forth. Boards are falling off behind him. And... Uh, they get over to the other side, and the flea says to the elephant, Boy, we, we sure shook that thing, didn't we? <laughs> and the whole concept is this. The flea didn't have anything to do with the shaking. <laughs> he was just there. But sometimes I think when it comes to our ministries and when it comes to what God is wanting us to do in our life, you know what? We, we see ourselves greater than who we actually are. It's God's work. It's God's doing we're the flea <laughs> that just gets to, to ride along with what God is busy and what God is doing. Uh, secondly, something that catches my attention in this is this, that one is divinely fulfilling. God's kind of building, in contrast to man's kind of building, one is divinely fulfilling and one is not. Um, God's kind of building hits to the very purpose of, of why we even exist, of... Uh, um, to bring glory to him. And, and when it's divine, well, let me say it like this. When it isn't divinely fulfilling, there's a constant striving for a purpose. There's a constant restlessness for finding satisfaction in what you're doing or looking for the end product. And here's the challenge. It, it, it never comes. <laughs> it just never comes. When it's man-centered parenting or building or whatever the case may be, and God's empowerment is God's empowerment is such a pleasure to be a part of. Have you ever been a part of something absolutely supernatural that you had a role in, but you still felt like a spectator to, to, to what was to what God was doing? And you were involved in some way, but you looked back and just simply said, "Wow, I can't believe what God did. I can't believe what God just did." And that's a little bit about what we're talking about. Uh, thirdly, uh, something else is just simply this. Uh, God's kind of building. It causes us to turn to Him more. Uh, man-centered building uh, causes us to look inward more. And, and we try to tell ourselves, well, I've got to do this better. I've got to get better at, at, at this. Or I need to improve. And I, I want you to know, I'm not saying that we shouldn't think about how we should be better parents and better businessmen and better ministers or a better children's leader or a better student leader. I, I think that's good. But Christ's kind of building, it just demands an excellent life of prayer. 
where you go to him and you are just simply saying, God, I, I need you to do this. I need you to do the building. I want to participate. I want to do what, what you are calling me to do in this ministry or in my parenting. But the only way my child's heart is going to change is unless you do it. And it just simply causes us to turn to him more. Well, those are the participants, God and, and us. Let's look at the positions. There is a watchman and there is a builder. And most of us are familiar with the concept of building. That, that makes sense to us. But also the concept of a watchman. Some of us might understand it, but I just want to lay it out for you. A, a, a watchman was a, a person or even a group of people who, if you can imagine yourself, you know, being out in, in the desert of Israel and there's a city and there's a wall around the city, the watchman was somebody who basically stayed up all night, probably hung out on top of the city, on top of the city's wall, and was there to watch over the city in case perhaps an attack was coming or, or something else was taking place. War was very common in, uh, in those days. Um, uh, he was the warning for the city um, in case it was being attacked. His responsibility was very, very serious. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 33 actually walks through uh, what would happen if a watchman failed at his job, basically saying his blood was on his own head? It was probably not a job people were signing up to do on a regular basis. Um, and, and even if he did his job, 99% of the time, perfect and right, it, just, it still wasn't good enough. There was no failing in being, in being a watchman. And, and let me say it like this. When you think about application in our own lives, uh, it was his job to call out and to warn people of the danger that is coming. It's his job to get people's attention, to wake them up with what is happening. Uh, he was the warning that danger is coming. And I, I want to stop here and just, just say it to us like this. Uh, friends, whether you are a parent or not, or you are actively involved in, uh, in any kind of student ministry or children's ministry, uh, you and I are watchmen and we're builders. Uh, all, all of us are building something. If you have grandkids, you're, you're a part of a, a project, so to speak, that God is calling you to. Um, we build ministries. We build uh, fruit into uh, our children's lives. And, and even as a church here... I think this church, uh, we are building something here in this community, in Alfred and Allman and Hornell and the other towns that are surrounding us. I think we're the watchmen. And I think it's amazing for me to even think of that the people that are, the people that are lost, that don't know Christ, the people that do know Christ, that are hung up in sin and they don't know how to get out of it. You, you and I are God's answer <laughs> to that we're, we're the builders we're the watchmen for, for this area uh, it is a very serious uh, responsibility that God has called you and me to I, I, I want to show you a video and this video just really uh, the language that is used in this video it talks about a lifeguarding team but when I think about the language that they use to describe this particular team it just brought to me uh, to remind me about what, what the church ought to be and who we ought to be in a, in a community. Just take a second to watch.
I think some volume is coming soon. save your life. Baker reminds beachgoers that they should still be careful anytime they're in the water. But with people like Lindsey Gherkins on duty, it also leaves time for Wrightsville Beach visitors to ponder more vacation-like concerns, like riding the perfect wave or building the perfect sandcastle. For more information on Wrightsville Beach, log on to www.visitwrightsville.com. Did you catch a lot of that language that they talked about? I mean, a skilled team, uh, a team that is recognized by the government as being an advanced safety team. People that go through hours and hours of training. That, that ought to be us. That ought to be the church. People that are skilled, that, people that know how to rescue others that need help, that need the gospel. And I guess that's something that really catches my attention. And, and, and the responsibility is great for you and I. Now, here's the blessing. Here's the great part about this. Uh, this job, this responsibility that you and I have, it, it can be supernaturally pow- empowered and accomplished by God. <laughs> Not just you and I, but God's doing and uh, aren't you glad it depends on God, parents? Aren't you glad that it's God who, who, who changes the hearts? And it is this concept of the Lord doing the building, but he using us. And whether we are doing a, a man-centered kind of a parenting or ministry in contrast to God's kind of building that I think we just really need to focus on and, and think about now. In this particular verse, and in verse 2, there's a concept in the text that we haven't talked about yet. Uh, And it is basically this. Look at verses 1 and 2 again. And here's what it says, and I'll just emphasize it. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain. Who built it? Unless the Lord guards the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. It is vain. For you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. For so he gives his beloved sleep. And it is that vanity that, that, that ought to concern us just a little bit. Um, it's very easy to be involved, to be active, to be, a, to be a hard worker, to invest time and effort and energy in something that is good for God. And it be in in vain. Um, 
Because it's us that's doing the building. And we're depending on ourselves to do that instead of it being God who's, who's doing that. We're trying to build a house and the ministry in our own strength. And, and we're going to get specific about that in just a little bit at the end of the message. We're going to get specific as to what that looks like. But uh, I, I don't know if you've ever wondered, what, what does it look like actually to minister in my own strength? You know, sometimes I, I know people say that. I want to minister by God's strength, but, but what, what does it look like? Sometimes I don't know if it's if I'm doing this in my strength or I'm doing it in God's strength and it's kind of it's just kind of confusing. How do I how do I identify that? We're going to look at that in uh, in just a couple minutes. But uh all of us can probably testify when it comes to doing God's work. You know what? You, you you've ministered like this before, haven't you? <laughs> and you know what? It's exhausting. <laughs> and it's frustrating. And you you feel like you feel like you want to quit. And it's not fun. And it's not pleasurable. It's not exciting to be a part of something supernatural that God is doing. Because we're trying it in our own strength. We're trying to be the husband God wants us to be in our own strength. We're trying to be the wife that God has called us to be in our own strength. The parent. The children's worker. The student worker. Uh, And it it is. It's exhausting. Um, Let's look at this last couple of verses here. And I want to look at the product of, of these, this kind of ministry that we're, that we're talking about. Uh, there's one tough product, one thing that's not so good, and there's a couple of things that are really, really good. Uh, here, here it is. And uh, look at verse 2 again. It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows. Uh, here, here's one of the products of ministering in our own flesh. I think it's just simply this. It's weariness. It's just, honestly, it's just physical exhaustion when we try to operate and live in our own strength instead of God's strength. Um, In fact, look at a couple of those things in verse 2 about somebody rising up early, about somebody sitting up late, about eating the bread of sorrows. Just to clarify that a little bit, that means somebody that has actually worked really, really hard to harvest the wheat, to grind it down, to do the baking, and you get the satisfaction of being able to, <laughs> to eat the bread that your hard work has come, has, has produced. And a lot of people like that feeling. I like the feeling of being able to do all that hard work and to, 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 to eat or to see that kind of fruit that way. But in essence, that could still be in vain, even though perhaps the feeling of just simply doing a hard day's work uh, is there, um, and even look at some of these things about rising up early and sitting up late. Are, are, aren't those things pretty admirable when you think about being involved in God's business? I, I, I would think so. I would think that is pretty admirable. Um, but wouldn't it be wouldn't it be just a miserable existence <laughs> to rise up early, to go to bed late? To spend your effort and your heart and your sweat, your passion on people. And it still be in vain. <laughs> but I tell you what, I, that's, that's exactly what I think a lot of believers are doing today when they operate or when we operate uh, in our own strength. And guys, I got, I got to tell you, life is too short, isn't it? Time is too valuable <laughs> for us to do mankind of ministry. Man's kind of building. It's got to be God's kind of building. And, and often I think we get it backwards. We think to ourselves, you know, I, I, I'm the builder. 
I'm the minister. I'm the parent. And God is my tool that I use to do it. When it's just supposed to be the opposite. <laughs> He's the builder. And, and, and I'm the tool. And it's all His power. And it's all His strength. And I think that, I think that that's something that is attractive to, to the world. You know, the people that don't know Christ, because that's what they do. They work hard. They put in tons of effort. But you know what? They never get the satisfaction of watching God do it through them. And you know what? That's why life is miserable. That's why it's just toil after toil. And I tell you what, if you and I exemplify supernatural kind of work, that's attractive. That's people that, that, that they look at us and say, boy, you come here week in and week out, Sunday after Sunday. They're screaming kids all over the place. And for some reason, you're really happy about it. <laughs> yeah, we are. If we're building God's way, there's tremendous satisfaction in that. And, and I want to encourage us, friends. I, you know what? I just, I just want it to count. I don't want my days of parenting with Erlen and Kalia to, to go by the wayside. I don't want to miss opportunities that God is bringing my way to, to, to teach my children about God. Here's another product uh, uh, about this. The end of verse 2 says this, For so he gives his beloved sleep. Uh, you you want to know a product of being a biblical parent or worker or minister? It, it, it's good sleep. <laughs> Does that sound pretty good? I think it sounds really good to me. I, I'm, I'm not trying to trump any, any medical conditions that, that people might have, but you know what? A, a habit of, of building and, and watching in our own strength, you know what? It's stressful. <laughs> and, and here's why. Because we're always trying to figure out, what am I going to do to get this done? What am I going to do to get these results that I, I, I feel the pressure of, of trying to get? It's It's exhausting. But I tell you, when, when was the last time you were involved in a ministry or you were doing something for God and you were just, you, you were exhausted and you went to bed at night and you just sighed, you know, this refreshing feeling of thankfulness that you got to just be a part of what God was doing and you drifted off to sleep and you rested real, real well. <laughs> and I, I'm not saying that, you know, if you don't sleep good at tonight that you're living a fleshly life. I'm not saying that 100% of the time. I... I do got to turn our eyes back to the text. You know what? I think a product of ministering God's way, I think it's good rest. I think God can give you a, a great sleep. And here's the last product. You see it pretty much in verses 3 through 5. It's a godly heritage or, or a legacy, so to speak. Uh, again, this is a very, a very family-oriented kind of a psalm. And in the context of the psalm, I think Solomon is referring to, to, to building a home or family. Uh, through his strength. But having many children was incredibly valuable and a great sign of God's blessing for a household to, to be full. And I tell you what, when they all walk to the market and there's mom and dad and there's just like the stickers on the back of those vans, there's a whole bunch of little things, you know, in a row where God is just blessed. And they looked at that family and think, God has just blessed that family. Um, now, uh, uh, if you want to, uh, I'd like you to turn over to Ecclesiastes. Um, and I want to look at another testimony of Solomon. And I tell you what, Solomon knew what it was like to build in his own strength. 
For some of you that know the book of Ecclesiastes, you know where we're going a little bit. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 2 through 4. This is the same person that wrote Psalm 127. And here's what he says. Ecclesiastes 1, verses 2 through 4. Vanity of vanities, says the preacher. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity. What profit has a man from all his labor in which he toils under the sun? One generation passes away and another generation comes, but the earth abides forever. Look over at chapter 2, verses 22 and 23. Look what else Solomon has to testify about. He says this, For what has man for all his labor and for all the striving of his heart with which he has toiled under the sun? For all his days are sorrowful and his work burdensome. And even in the night his heart takes no rest this is also vanity. Does that sound a little similar to Psalm 127? And I think Solomon knew what it was like to, to, to build and to work and to, and to strive and actually think big. But it all be in vain. Until if you want to turn over to Ecclesiastes 12 and look at, look at Solomon's conclusion to the whole matter. And here's what he says in Ecclesiastes 12 verse 13. Let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. To fear God and keep His commandments. For this is man's all. Solomon's work led to a lot of vanity. And what is the point of Ecclesiastes? Ecclesiastes is a great book when you think about the, we went through it in ABF, the monotony of life and the boring tasks of day in, day out, and trying to find purpose and trying to find satisfaction in the routines of everything that we do. And Solomon's basically basic conclusion is this. Yeah, life can be boring and it can be vain. Without God, it is. <laughs> And so his conclusion to the matter is while we do life, while we toil, if you do it with God, <laughs> there is a great satisfaction in life. <laughs> there is a great purpose that you and I get to be a part of. When we do it with God, it is to, to, to fear God and to keep his commands. And the key to, to, to living and to building, to, to watching in Old Testament language, I basically think it's this, it's to fear God. And to keep his commands. Life is meaningless in a chasing of the wind. But with an intimate relationship with Christ. You know what? We, we find great satisfaction and fulfillment in fearing God and keeping his commands. Fearing God being the humility and the, and the submission to whatever he has designed. Uh, the fear of God is running to his word saying, God, whatever you have to tell me, whatever you have to say to me, I want to know it. I want to grow in who you are and how great you are. That's the fearing God and keeping his commands is saying, I, you know, okay, now that I know it, now that I understand it, I want to keep it. I want to go do it this way. In a practical sense, parenting is simply this. It's fearing God, saying, God, I, I, I need your help. I need you to do the work of the, the parenting in my kids' lives. And we go to him, begging him, God, we need you in a fantastic way. But it also is the practical side where we obey his commands. And whatever the scriptures have to say about parenting, we practice that and we do it and we live it out. That's God's kind of building. Um, I, again, by way of application, we, we, we are building something. All of us are building something. And so let's just stop and think of this. So in order for you and I to do what God is calling us to do, 
what is our real responsibility? What is the first and foremost responsibility in all of that? Is it the building? Is it the watching? Is it the effort day in and day out? Is it the early rising and the going to sleep late? I think more important than all about that is simply this, first and foremost. The most important thing you can do to being an effective parent, to being an effective builder, to doing it God's way, first and foremost is this, is keeping your relationship with Christ fresh and alive. And here's what I thought when I looked at this message. I think I've preached this message a hundred times. I've just used different passages. Because <laughs> bottom line, you know what? What it all comes down to is this, is to seek ye first the kingdom of God. That was Jesus himself. Then all these things will be added to you. What you want to see in your children, what you want to see in your business, what you want to see in your ministries. If I can focus on just my personal intimacy with Christ, my time alone with him and his word, my submission to him, not just reading it for the sake of knowledge, but a genuine submission to what I read. And I'm going to put it out and practice it in my life. And God takes care of the rest. <laughs> I, I love an old Keith Green song. This is the second time I've mentioned Keith Green. He had, a, he had a line in one of his songs that said, You just keep doing your best and you pray that it's blessed. And Jesus takes care of the rest. <laughs> the foremost before that is this. It, it, we we, we got to be prayed up. We've got to be people who are, who are studied up. We've got to be people who see the face of God before and we go and we see the face of men. And I think that's the whole point of, uh, of Ecclesiastes and what he's got to say. So to answer this question, how, how, do we, how can we tell if we're building God's way or if we're building my way? Let's look at the practical side of things. And we're going to turn over to Galatians at this point. And we're just about finished here. How can we tell if it's God's strength or it's my strength? Well, in New Testament le- uh, language, I basically, I, I think I would say it like this. Here's the question. Is the fruit of the Spirit evident in your parenting and your ministry? Now, that might sound like a very spiritual answer. You guys were probably thinking, oh, this is good. He's going to give it to me. And I say the fruit of the Spirit evident. It's like, oh, great. I just... <laughs> What, is, what does that really mean? What does that really look like? Well, I, I would say it like this. In Galatians chapter 5, I tell you what, Galatians is a tremendous book because it was people that were wrestling, actually, with, very, with a very legalistic approach to God. People that were wrestling with the difference between their works and their faith, with God-centered evangelism and man-centered evangelism. And here's what he says in Galatians 5.16, So I say, live by the Spirit, or walk by the Spirit, and you will not fulfill the lust of the flesh. There's spiritual living or spiritual building, and then there's fleshly living and fleshly building. And then he gives two lists of what those things look like. Look uh, look at verse 19. If you want to know if you're building or doing your life by God's strength or by your strength, start at verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are evident, which are adultery, fornication, uncleanness, Lewdness, idolatry, sorcery. And you might be saying to yourself, all right, I think so far I'm not doing, I'm not doing too bad. <laughs> Those things aren't too evident. Well, let's, let's, let's keep on going in verse 20. Hatred. Contentions. Uh, jealousies. Outbursts of wrath. 
selfish ambitions, dissensions, heresies. Let me ask you this. In your parenting, have you ever been divided with your spouse and you're just not on the same page? (laughs) Have there ever been outbursts of anger? Have you ever been just completely frustrated where you're just butting heads? What about in our ministries? Have you ever identified that and recognized that? You know what's happening? You're building man's way. You're trying to do it in your own strength, and you're missing, you're missing God. <laughs> you're missing the single most element, <laughs> the empowering element of it being God's work in God's way. Most of us are familiar with verses 22 and 23, but I just want to ask a couple questions. When you look at spiritual building or spiritual living, here's the evidence. When you look at the first uh, one that mentions there, love, let me ask you this. How am I doing in my love for the people that God has brought my way in this building? Not, not, just a, not, not, not just an emotional kind of a love, but also a practical kind of love. In fact, I think it's both. God commands us to both agape each other and uh, phileo each other. A brotherly, loving, affectionate kind of love. How is that? How is that? How is that going? Let me ask you this: What about joy? Is it a pleasure to do your parenting? Is it a pleasure to do your ministry where you just you just really enjoy it? I just can't wait to be a part of it. Uh, what about peace? Are, are you at rest with what, with the building that God is having you do? Are those things that are evidence? What about patience? I I won't go there because that will be just too convicting for all of us if we talked about patience. Um, What about self-control? You see, these are the things that come out of us. These are the things that are evident when we're letting the Lord do the the building of our house. When our relationship with him proceeds, everything else in our lives, these are the things that just come out. And there's no way you can humanly manufacture the joy... (laughs) And the love and the patience and the self-control and all those fruit of the Spirit, they just, they just come out. Um, we simply look back, like I said, as, as a spectator as to what God is doing. And I hope you understand, you know what? I think each of us, we probably live and we operate in our own strength far, far more than what most of us are willing to admit. And if we were all honest with each other, we would probably sit here and say, yeah, I I, I live like that every once in a while. And it is miserable. (laughs) And you've been to the place where your your desire is waning and you're exhausted. I don't want to be a part of this anymore. I don't want to do this anymore. Or you've wrestled with the fact that, you know what, I don't have a passion in my heart for this kind of building. I don't have a great desire to be a part of something supernatural and fantastic. Because there's, there, there's no joy there. Why? Here's why. You've been a part of something very man-made. <laughs> and it hasn't been God's kind of power and God's kind of building. Where God does it and you and I are just a tool. Um, I, want to, uh, uh, I want to show you a, a note uh, here. Uh, this is a scan that, uh, that I got uh, just a couple of months ago. Uh, my, my brother sent it to me. And uh, I know some of you have met my mom. 
before. She was a good godly lady. She's teaching a Sunday school class this morning. She sent me an email saying, I'm praying for you this morning. And uh, I sent one back saying I was praying for her. But not a whole lot of you know a whole lot about my dad uh, and who he was and the situation be behind him. My dad had uh, his first heart attack in 1987, uh, and he had multiple uh, heart attacks, actually five heart attacks. Um, and he passed away in, uh, in November of the year 2000. It was actually just a couple months after uh, Corinne and I were married. Um, and my brother sent me this, and th this is his note, what he wrote just before he died. My dad lived in a, uh, an old trailer in, uh, in Texas. Man, he just sat there and he watched TV. Uh, and he would have a heart attack. He would go to the hospital and that one wouldn't, wouldn't kill him. And he would go back and he would sit in his trailer again. And years or months would go by and he would have another one. And you know, it wasn't a whole lot of, uh, of change. He smoked. He did stop drinking the last few years of his life. But I, I just want to read you this note a little bit here. He says, it's 12.45 a.m. Uh, I was awakened having severe chest and left arm pain. Yesterday, mid-evening, was my first heart attack. Uh, I've taken eight nitro this time. I still have chest and arm pain. It's not as severe, though. But it's now 2 a.m., and I've broken out into a deep sweat. I've been a heart patient since 1987. Severe damage to my left chamber. My brother Ben Fair knows my condition. He lives in Sun Lake, Arizona. It's 2.25. I'm having another one. I'm in severe pain. And he finishes the note with, I am to be cremated. <laughs> and um, when I think about my dad and I think about even this text, here, here's what comes to mind. Uh, just what a waste. <laughs> Why just sit around in, in, in a trailer waiting for a heart attack to kill you? <laughs> and you know what? Life is too short. <laughs> For us to operate in our own strength. The children down the hill and the teens down the hill are too valuable to God for us to not do it God's way. Our parent, our, our children, aren't they too precious for us to continue doing man-centered ministry and man-centered parenting? And I want to encourage you, just, just in closing, by way of application, how do you know if you're, you're doing it in God's strength or you're doing it in your own strength? If you feel like you're lacking humility or, or an excellent fear of God or your relationship uh, isn't where, where it should be, then that's where your focus is. In fact, I think God made it really simple. <laughs> you want to operate in God's strength, you go spend time with Him. And after this morning, you know what? You might need to up your time in the Word. <laughs> You might need to say, I need to know more of God. I need more of Him in my life. I need to understand more of exactly what His Word says. And it needs to be vibrant and alive in my life. You might need to improve your prayer life a great deal. 
And I'm not talking just about the list of the people. In fact, sometimes maybe you just need to go for a walk and just spend time with God and just fellowship with Him in prayer. Being willing to even tell Him where you're frustrated. God, my parenting isn't like it should be and I don't know what to do. I don't know if I'm supposed to change or my wife is supposed to change. I don't know if my approach to this ministry and this child, if I'm doing it right or whatever it is, I'm having a hard time. But God, I need you. I need you to do it. Where you pour out your heart and your passion to Him. And your relationship takes precedence over anything else that we do. Uh, You may need to get around somebody that does a good job of walking in the Spirit. (laughs) And you you, you might need to change your schedule completely so that you start spending time with that person. You get beside them. You say, I want to live like that person. I want to start emulating them. I want to start learning from somebody that really grows and really change and really, really walks with God to do whatever it takes. And so the conclusion to the whole matter, in essence, is this. It's how is your relationship with Christ? You want to build God's way? You'll have a refreshing relationship with Him. You want to build man's way? Your relationship with Christ would be lacking. And it will get tiresome. Far too often, we live, try to live God's way in God's life. We try to witness. We try to, to, to operate what we know is God's way. But our spiritual tank is empty. It's depleted. And we haven't filled it back up again. <laughs> and this morning, I just want to stop and encourage you and ask you to stop and think, how is, how is my relationship with Christ? I, I think God is always calling us to just a, a little bit closer and intimate level with him on a regular basis. I don't know how long that goes. I don't know if it's this year or if it's next year. All I know is this. I, I need more of me out of the way and I need more of him. Very simply put. And I want to take a second to have each of us bow our heads, close our eyes, and just do a little bit of business with God. I'm going to give you some time to pray. I'm not going to have you uh, uh, raise your hand or stand or come forward. I just simply want you to talk to God and say, in light of this message, God, what I've heard this morning, you know what? I think I've been ministering man's way way too long. <laughs> or we think back to ourselves, I, I think this week I did that. That's why I failed this week. I wasn't walking with you like I should have been. We talked about your time in the Word. We talked about uh, your own personal prayer life. We talked about whether you're getting the discipleship you need to grow in the change. Those are a couple of things that maybe you need to, to focus on in your own life so that we live a supernatural, powerful life and ministry and parenting. Listen, listen, the three words, unless the Lord. Just take a couple seconds and spend some time in prayer with him. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for this church. And uh, I thank you for these people. 
And so many folks are such a blessing to, to us uh, and to others. Lord, I thank you for wanting that, that you want to involve me in what you're doing here in this life. And I want it to be done your way. I want your empowerment, not my own. And so, Lord, I pray today that you would help those folks. You've, you've heard many people this morning. Many people have spoken to you. And they're, th- they're, they're making decisions right now about what they're going to do, perhaps what they're going to change in order to just walk with you better. Lord, I pray that you would keep those commitments before them strong. Lord, I pray that you can give them the courage to go tell somebody and to say, I, 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 do, need to, I do need to improve my relationship with Christ more. Father, I just thank you again for your spirit, for your grace, for your great, great love. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. If all of us could stand.